Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Welcome to the show, everyone. My guest today is Jen Murtaugh. So Jen and I have known each other for over 10 years now, and she is somebody that just has a really special place in my heart. She was there at a time in like 2009 when I was still really trying to find my way after going through a divorce finding a passion for sports and social media and diving into that space. And we kind of joked around about this on the interview of saying that, like, I didn't really have businesses back then. I kind of had hobbies. And Jen was somebody that was working in the sports industry. And I ended up connecting somehow through some mutual contacts. And she actually hired me to speak. And it was only like a $300 speaking gig or something like that. But, you know, I expressed to her on the call here today that, you know, that really meant a lot to me. Like, that was another one of those moments when I look at my timeline. Like, that was another confidence booster to say, maybe I am on the right path here. Maybe I should stay down this path. So, you know, Jen has a special place in my heart. We've obviously done business together. We've owned businesses together. And she really is an impactful, powerful woman that is creating ripple effects in her life and the people that she surrounds herself with. And her most latest project, her most latest business is one called Matern. So we talked about this and it's really about supporting women that are on maternity leave or about to go on maternity leave and just supporting them through that experience emotionally, mentally, um, you know, the actual aspects of like, hey, you're about to tell your employer that you're going to go on maternity leave. How do you create a plan so that it, you can get ahead of any kind of story or narrative that that may be surrounding it? Because the truth be told, we actually discussed this on the interview, there is a certain um, you know, perception around women in the workplace getting pregnant, leaving, coming back, where it's not seen as as something that is is um, you know supportive to the business agenda, supportive to the the ROI initiatives of a company. And quite frankly, that needs to change. This is a narrative that is old; it no longer serves us. And Jen is here to help be one of those amplifiers of that voice, not only in the corporate world, to just make them aware of why they need to integrate education and awareness around not only diversity and inclusion, but also maternity leave. And then, of course, she's building this amazing community and providing coaching to these women that are actually in the middle of this experience of their life right now, which, of course, you know, I'm a dad, which means that my wife is a mom, and I've seen her go through some of the same things that Jen talked about on this interview, some of the challenges, some of the the internal guilt, the shame that came with it, and just the the loss of identity and all of these pieces. And uh, Jen is just somebody that I am really looking forward to introducing you to, and I really encourage not only the women that may be listening to this that might be able to relate to it or may be pregnant or may be pregnant in the future and going on maternity leave to reach out to Jen and just find out more about this program, but also to the men. And we talked about this on the call as well um, around the end of the interview that there's an incredibly important role that men have to play in this narrative, right? And I won't spoil what we actually talked about and what that is. Go ahead and give this a listen, but It was a really emotional, really heartfelt interview, and I was so glad that Jen did this talk with me, and I can't wait to introduce you to you. So let's go ahead and give it a listen. Jen, welcome to my show, The Trevor Turnbull Show. It's so good to see you again. Oh, it's great to be here and always good to connect with you. I know, right? I'm actually, I'll address the fact that my dog is barking right now. (laughs) I'm shooting from the home office today, but this is the beautiful part about this kind of stuff is like, I actually like creating content that's a little bit not perfect because then it feels real, doesn't it? Well, it it feels real because it is real. (laughs) It is real. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing of recording from home is that like we have these Amazon drivers coming here like four times a day, it seems right now. (laughs) given this state of this world, right? I think everyone can identify with that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. 
So we were kind of chatting a little bit before we hopped on here. Um, and I said I would save kind of what uh, the context of these interviews are. So you don't really have a whole lot of pre-warning as to like, what are we even talking about here? But I'll just ground us in this. So there's a quote that uh, Brene Brown actually has that says, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through and it will be somebody else's survival guide. So that's a little grounding for us to have the conversation. And for, for you, the reason why I wanted to have you on the show too, is that we've known each other now for about 10 years. And when I speak about my vulnerable, authentic, honest story and journey, it's completely messy and perfect all in, in the same uh, context but you're a part of that journey and you've been a, I was actually thinking about it when I was making notes before we came on here. I joked about the fact a couple of podcasts ago where I had um, a lot of hobbies back in like 2009 to 2011. I wouldn't call them businesses, but you know, you get paid for one speaking gig and all of a sudden you're like, maybe I can turn this into a business. And you were actually working a job at the time where you hired me and I think you maybe paid me like $300 or something like that. But it was a moment, you know, it was one of those things along the timeline that I can still remember back on and go, okay, that was another little notch of my own self-confidence to just go, you're on the right path to something. I don't know what it is yet, but you're a piece of my messy journey. <laughs> well, you are worth way more than that. <laughs> the rates have gone up. Yeah, the rates have gone no up. doubt. <laughs> Definitely. And for you, for anybody that's listening and watching here too, um, so Jen and I met obviously through that. And I, I think it was just because of the, the, the whole sports kind of affiliation uh, at the time. But um, you're somebody that uh, I've always admired for just who you are as a person and how you show up and the way you communicate and really are of service, not just to your family, but to the people that you work with and the community and everything in between. And you've got... Um, a nice little messy journey yourself too. And I, I'd love to be able to dig into that of what's brought you to here and some of the amazing things you have going on right now too. So I really want to kind of dive into the timeline. So if you're open to that, I would love to, uh, yeah, dig into it. Sure. Where would you like me to start? <laughs> We're in the messy. <laughs> so that's always the funny part. Cause when, if I lead the question with like, so tell us how you got to here. It's like, well, so I was born in a small town and <laughs> here, let me give you a little bit more specifics on that. So, um, you know, let's maybe go back to those times when we first met, like 2008, 2009, you were working in the sports industry at the time, right? That was kind of how we first connected. And, uh, you know, back then, what, how did you feel? Did you have any idea that you'd be where you are right now and how your life would unfold? Maybe speak to that, just generally speaking. Yeah, absolutely not. I think I had come at the time uh, from a marketing manager role with the Vancouver Canucks, which was my dream job, until I got to the point where I plateaued in my career and was really searching for a little bit more meaning. At that point in my life, I also knew I wanted to start a family and working for an NHL hockey team didn't necessarily have the conditions that that would be easy because of just so many game nights and travel and, you know, it's more a lifestyle than a job. And so I was seeking something that was, you know, just what had a little bit more work-life balance at the time is probably the word I would have used, which now I just laugh at. But, um, you know, I think I was pregnant when I met you with, uh, I was pregnant with my first child. And I think what happens for a right lot of people, yeah. yeah, a lot of people on maternity leave is, you, it was actually the first time in my life that I had an extended period of time to think uh, and so I got really kind of connected in with self and actually unraveling of self. Uh, I really struggled in my first maternity leave. I had a colicky daughter who cried, I would say screamed about four to six hours a day. Um, I remember that. I, yeah. well, I obviously wasn't around for it, but I remember just how like it was very challenging, right? It's just real life being a mom, right? Yeah. And had like just a massive identity shift. So much of my identity up until that point really was anchored into my career and my value was anchored into my career. And I think I see this happening for a lot of, 
you know, primarily self-identified women who are going on maternity leave is like you go through this massive identity shift and all these kind of questions start to arise, which is like, who am I? What am I doing with my life? Who who do I want to be in all of this? And I came back to work, to be honest with you, a little bit of a shell of a human. Um, My confidence had really plummeted. I really didn't know who I was and what I wanted to do. I was struggling coming back to maternity leave. The person who was in my job before me, you know, had a really impressive resume. I was full of the inner critic. And so it was during that time where I really recognized that my values were in more alignment with nonprofit. So my career really took, uh, I'd spent 10 years in sports marketing and really moved into the nonprofit sort of space, Um, became an executive director for a charity and spent about 10 years then working in nonprofit before starting my own entrepreneurial journey, which I think was probably always predestined, even though I always was like, I never want to do my own thing. Like uh, that feels so risky and vulnerable. And, and then here I am two years into that journey now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, we were kind of joking about it at the start about just this, the state of the world. And we, we certainly won't dive into anything about that. There's no political talk. There's no COVID. There's nothing like I don't even want to go there with you. We we could maybe have another conversation about that another day, but just the um the attachment too of security and the idea of like having a job and feeling like that job is actually more secure than actually controlling your own fate. I know for me there was a I transitioned on that pretty quickly. Like I say, I've kind of bounced around like almost in an addictive nature of like, okay, I'm bored of that. What's next? You know? But a lot of people do really identify with the corporate world and think like, okay, if I'm no if I'm no longer useful in this space, or at least I'm telling myself that, or that I've maybe been left behind, that what do I have? Like, I feel like I've lost my identity. I have no control over what I can actually create myself. It's an interesting space, and I know you've been through it, right? So you you really know it. it's like you were actually, and you're still in it, right? Like this stuff doesn't end. It's not like those stories ever go away. Yeah. And I would say what I've done in the last couple of years is really made that transition from survival work, like zone of excellence work, the work that like I had a really good track record of success in, that people would hire me for, um, that I really identified with. But that work wasn't necessarily like soul aligned. Like it wasn't feeling expansive and exciting. It was just like, yeah, I can do this work. So, you know, I, you know, there's this zone of excellence or survival work, you call it. So I've made a leap, which I call like my soul work now. And, and uh, you know, people call it also zone of genius, which is like, what is that work that, you know, feels like there's an innate strength? Uh, maybe it's, you know, comes really easily to you. And when you are in that kind of work, your soul just actually feels a little bit more expanded. You feel like that is the right place that you need to be. Uh, and so that's really was my own kind of big leap in the last two years. But it it didn't start all of a sudden being like, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to figure out what that is. It was like, well, <laughs> let me facilitate some survival work for a while until I can actually spend some time figuring out what I want to do next. And I think that's where I see a lot of people get stuck is that they feel like they need to know where the final destination is in order to take the first step. And for me, I let myself say, you know, this is a very different way of doing things. Usually it's like, what's the goal? How do, what are the five steps to get there? And I had to like completely say, I don't actually know what the end goal is, but I'm just going to follow my intuitive sense on this and let myself be curious because I'm being called for a reason. You know, and I love what Rumi says. And he says like, what you are, what you are seeking is seeking you. You know, and it was just, it became so clear to me. Unfortunately, I had to get to the point where, like, I hit a brick wall before I realized that, like, burnout over and over and over again until I was like, okay, world, (laughs) okay, life, what are you trying to tell me? I think I'm, like, ready to learn the lesson now. But as an entrepreneur as well, and just in coaching other people, but then also, you know, seeking coaches and mentors too, some of the best lessons that I've learned from them is that, you know, especially in the mentorship side of things, they can guide you to make less missteps, right? 
But a really, truly great coach slash mentor is going to be there when you fall down and be able to stand beside you and go, yeah, it's part of the process. Throw a little dirt on it, you know, and keep going because you almost have to. You you probably wouldn't be the person you are today with your vision that you have, if not for a few of those moments along the way, because you can really relate to the people you're helping now, right? Yeah. Well, from grief comes growth. Like I heard that someone say that. And, you know, sometimes it does require a complete unraveling. Sometimes it does require parts of your old self to even die so that you can like grow into and expand more into actually who you really are. And that can be really scary when you're in that process of up-leveling because the familiar parts of you want to like pull you back down again and be like, no, 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 we don't like this. This feels like really unknown, uncertain, uncomfortable. Um, And so that takes, it does take a lot of bravery and it also takes a lot of support, which I'm, which is why I'm such a big fan of working with coaches because, you know, you can't become yourself by yourself. Like you need people around you to support you, hold up the mirror, um, help you dust yourself off uh, as you kind of continue your own growth journey. Because if we're not growing, like we're dying, right? We're not, we're (laughs) not a huge fan of that. (laughs) No, no, exactly. Um, So much of the language that you use is, you'll find I've actually got a few questions at the end of this interview that are very much in line with the kind of things you're saying. So, but this is because you and I have known each other for so long too, and, and have actually, you know, been involved in businesses together. It's, it's, you grow together in community as well around people that are very similar minded as well, right? It's, it's another important part of this growth process is to actually be around other people that are not only in the same place as you right now, but have been there and can help guide you. And on that note, so there's, two paths I want to take us down because I want to talk about Matern, but I also want to just reference really quickly your your discussion around the deaths. So I actually wrote an article that uh, got published in Entrepreneur like four years ago, I think it was, but it was called The Seven Deaths, something about seven deaths anyways, I can't remember the exact title, but one of them was um, Death of Identity and how that is a really big challenge for people a lot of times. And the example that I used for mine was, you know, I was a self-identified hockey player back in the day, and then all of a sudden I was 25, and I wasn't drafted, and I was like, maybe I should go get a degree? I don't know. Let's you know, try marketing? I don't know. <laughs> and hence, I ended up here. But sense of identity, how many of the people that you work with and coach, is that something that they face right off the bat? Is that something that you run into a lot? Is the identity of self? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's the narrative that they've constructed about who they are and what is or is impossible for them. And I've heard it coined as like, often to our own inner glass ceilings. We construct those, um, you know, obviously in childhood through the things that also construct our identity. And I think those same things really hold us back from who we really are. Because when I create the narrative that I'm this kind of person, this is what I do, oh, I'm not like that, or then I'm really, you know, creating my own inner glass ceiling around what's possible for me. So I, you know, I really try and help guide women through identifying what some of those limiting beliefs are. Um, And then as you know, in shifting those, how the universe might reflect back to you something different, what is or isn't possible for you. And, you know, I continue to work on my own, you know, and 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 I've had to break through, you know, my own living, limiting beliefs about wealth, about finance, about money. And a lot of that was constructed in childhood because the narrative was always, there's not enough money. There's not enough money to do that. There's not enough money for this, you know, single parent grew up in the poverty line. And so like I faced that and that was a huge unraveling in my own entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah. My my ability to actually deconstruct that belief that I could believe, truly believe that I could generate wealth. Like that was never even an option up until the last two years and even feels weird. And like, I have hangups around it, like from a privilege perspective. So I I continue to work on that. That's such an interesting 
topic as well. And I'm, I'm sure we'll maybe get into that as we start to break down Matern too, because I really do want to talk to you about this because this is a culmination of all of these things that you've gone through, right? And, you know, since I've known you for 10 years and we've been through lots of different experiences and businesses and that type of thing together, and even the parenthood side of things though, too. So I was actually... When I brought up my notes for this interview, I wrote a few notes like three, four weeks ago when we first booked this, because I was like, what are some of the things I want to remember that I talked about with Jen? And then I forgot about it again. I came back to the notes and I was like, oh yeah, when me and Char had our first son, Jen gave us a spreadsheet of these are the things you need to buy and here's where you go get them. And this you need to go find on Facebook Marketplace. Like it was so meticulously broken down. <laughs> I still remember that. And there was a part of me that I think I even said it to you at the time. I was like, you know, you could probably even sell this quick little guide right here on how to parent in the first week, <laughs> you know, how to go get that car seat, the, um, the, the nursery, whatever it is. So anyways, there, there's a lot of things I think that have culminated to you really getting to this place, but can you speak about Matern and really speak about the, the why behind it? Like, like why? And obviously you have a business partner in this too. So I'd love to just hear the inspiration behind it. Yeah. So Matern is Canada's first comprehensive maternity leave program. Uh, and it's an online program that contains eight uh, learning modules live monthly calls, and a commu- an online community for self-identified women that are transitioning to and from maternity leave, whether that be birthing mothers or non-birthing mothers. Uh, and so uh, I've co-created it with my business partner, uh, Sonia uh, Foley. And it really is to support mothers in a deep and meaningful way, but it, it also really is to advance gender equity. So maternity leave and the years surrounding it represent the single largest point in which women off-ramp from organizations. And so, you know, in the, and that's not because women all want to be stay-at-home moms, even though that's a beautiful and very respectable choice as well. Um, it's for a variety of reasons. But one of the biggest reasons is, is that women feel really unsupported during this time. And they start to question whether they can advance their career and be a mother at the same time. So Matern really supports women through all of those transitions from if they, you know, are a birthing mother from pregnancy um, up until the time that they leave their job for, you know, their maternity leave, then during that time off, whether that's four months, 12 months, 18 months, and then that really crucial transition back. Uh, And so we feel, you know, incredibly strongly that this is going to support women in a really transformational way. And it's something that I would have really appreciated because, you know, even though uh, I often met with other mothers during maternity leave, I still felt really isolated because all the women I connected with really didn't like their jobs. They, they didn't have careers. They, they were like, isn't maternity leave the best thing ever? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I really like working. And then I felt a lot of shame. Oh, gosh, I should be enjoying this more. What's wrong with me? And I would have benefited from a group of women that could normalize that experience as well as all the experiences that you have during that time. So it's, um, it's very informed by research, by surveys. We, you know, spoke to so many mothers over the last nine months personally about their own experiences. We've read just about all the research there is on the maternity leave experience, ran focus groups, uh, but it was really inspired by, you know, my experience and how we could make it better uh, for women. And this helps organizations attract and retain uh, you know, woman in as part of the leadership pipeline. So yeah, we've had a lot of great conversations and super excited about it. I mean, I even found myself before, obviously maternity even came into my consciousness, 
just uh, so many women would come to me being like, hey, how did you navigate through maternity leave? And, oh, this is like really not a good time. And I was coaching them. I was like, hey, don't go in and apologize to like the three male leaders that you report into. You're excited about this. Here's your plan. Here's your, Have your transition plan ready when you walk in and let them know. You're not creating a problem. This is not something you're apologizing for. Like the motherhood penalty is a real thing. And the statistics are pretty abysmal. Like if if you look at them. I've seen you share some stats lately and it's shocking. It really is. Like it makes you go, whoa, that, no, really? And that's what starts the conversation, right? To dive deeper. And honestly, one of the reasons why I was like, oh, I got to talk to Jen. Like we need to break these things down so that people are aware of this stuff a little bit more. Yeah. It's really shocking. So, I mean, as part of Matern, we're also running a workshop to help really provide guidance to people leaders about just like we all have unconscious bias, like maternal bias shows up in the workplace, you know, like what you even say to uh, an employee when they come to you and disclose that they might be pregnant or they're going on leave, you know, how to help them, you know, transition through that time, what to say, what not to say. I mean, certainly when I chose on my second leave to only take six months, everybody had an opinion about that. Everybody was like, oh, you're going to regret that. And oh, no, you should take the full year. And it's like, um, okay, now I feel a lot of shame about this. Like, how about sounds great, whatever works best for you. That's what we'll plan for, you know? I actually saw, I think you shared it on Instagram the other day. How old is your son now? Is he eight or nine? Yeah, he's nine. Nine? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I saw the video. I was like, oh, I wonder who this kid is. And I was like... (laughs) My God, Jen's got a nine-year-old, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. amazing how 10 years flies by. Well, um, and my daughter's 12, right? So we actually have known each other longer. We've known each I other know. for 13 years because she's I 12. <laughs> nuts. Crazy. Uh, I don't know if you saw me, but I was like typing notes because there were so many things you were saying that I was relating to. And I was also seeing uh, Shar, my wife, experience as well. And, and I want to dig into these, but, you know, I know for Shar, when she, when we had our first son, there was that shame and guilt as well around knowing that she had a value that was really uh, tightly tied to her quote unquote career, even though she's kind of bounced between a job here and an entrepreneurial venture there and kind of bounced back and forth between those worlds. It was real. And I saw it on a daily basis. I saw what it did to her. I saw what it did to the way that she, um, uh, self-judged the way that she like, you know, for lack of a better term, just felt, fell into depressive states and really like really hard, really hard, you know? And then we did a lot of work both individually and, and personally, just, um, personal development wise, right. There was a few different things, but those are some of the things that she had worked through was like actually defining values unapologetically and saying that, you know, I do value my career. I do value what I contribute. I value how I can create impact in the corporate entrepreneurial world, whatever it is. And it doesn't make me a bad mom. And that took like three years of revisiting and and speaking out loud and sharing in different uh, groups and whatnot. And that was the second piece. And then I'll shut up and let you respond here. But the healing really, from my perspective, when I saw what was happening for her, the healing happened in community when she was able to say things out loud, not be judged, be seen, be heard, and feel normal for the first time in, you know, in her case, it was like two, three years. It was huge. It was huge. Because I saw how devastating it was for her. And it was, from my perspective, I was like, how can I help her on this? Because I don't think she's a bad mom. I actually like really like the fact that she's driven on this side of her life, you know, but she didn't see it. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, women internalize those feelings. And obviously when we internalize, we're not necessarily honoring that and being, you know, and it, and it feels, especially with your first, can be excruciatingly vulnerable. You know, I was always the person in the room being like, oh, this is like a lot harder than I thought it was. <laughs> and and women would come up to me after and be like, oh, thank you, thanks so much for, for saying right. that. And I mean, that has been more normalized now in the last 12 years, thanks to Instagram and there's the other. But 
There's also like the whole perfect thing going on on social media as well, which can contribute to even more anxiety for birthing and non-birthing mothers, you know. But the program is primarily for mothers because women disproportionately feel the motherhood penalty. uh, And that holds, you know, women back from advancing in leadership. There is obviously, you know, a massive stigma around maternity leave. And women are being penalized for growing the population and growing our economy. And we need to look at this period as not a pain in the butt for employers, but like, how do we actually support women through this time so that they feel more excited and ready to actually come back to work knowing that they're going to be fully supported. So this is a tangible tool for organizations to really advance gender equity in their organizations. And, you know, we're at a time where diversity, equity, and inclusion is at the forefront of about every sector out there. Uh, And it's not just obviously for you know, corporate women, uh, you know, anyone who wants support during that time uh, on leave, you know, the program's very inclusive and, and open to all mothers because the experience around motherhood is pretty universal in terms of that identity shift, the inner critic, uh, self-care, maybe postpartum changes, uh, equitable partnership parenting if you are in a partnership when you have a child or if you adopt a child. Um, Then like what your return to work plan looks like. What are all the things you need to prepare yourself for? And how do you normalize the fact that like for the first month or two, you're probably going to be really emotional as well. So this just really provides uh, a container uh, to support women through all those transitions. Mm. Speaking of the the corporate side, so you you do work with um, companies to support them in in these types of things. How have you found, or where do you feel the state of company and companies and leaders within companies are right now, and how that transition has happened? Because naturally, there's a tendency, I think, for maybe companies to always look at things of like, what's the ROI on this, or what is the potential cost of not doing this. And they're kind of the same question, but from two different lenses. And then I think a third one, and maybe there's many, many more, you might elaborate on this, but then there's the other one of just doing the right thing, regardless of the ROI or the cost benefits analysis, you know, how have you found that to be in the corporate world when you're talking to companies and is it shifting or or is this why you're so passionate about this? It's like, you want to change this narrative. I would say uh, for the majority of the organizations we've spoken with thus far, they get it. Uh, In fact, most of the chief human resources officers or head of diversity and inclusion, by and large, up until this point, we've spoken to women, you know, self-identified women. And so a lot of them, huge majority of those have been mothers. So like as you're trying to explain what we're doing, they get it right away. They're like, I wish I would have had this when I had transitioned back and through maternity leave. This makes complete sense. Just give us time (laughs) to socialize it internally. That's really the feedback. So it's been overwhelmingly positive. We have one of Canada's biggest tech companies uh, have just signed on as a founding partner, and they've actually just rolled that messaging out internally this week. Next week, uh, we rolled out externally. We have one of the largest financial institutions in Canada on board as a partner. So organizations where diversity, equity, and inclusion is really important to them just totally get it right away. Uh, we've had a couple of our other organizations, you know, we we had someone uh, say the program sounded neat. Neat. I think it's neat what you're doing. And I was like, mm. nice to have. <laughs> this is about like flipping the motherhood penalty on its head to create the motherhood opportunity. And that's like not neat. Like there's like 375,000 women that go on maternity live every year in Canada. That's like a lot of women being penalized. Uh, and so I think we have an opportunity here as being kind of first to market with really trying to elevate the consciousness of like what that actually means for women. And you know, obviously we're an important part of the labor force and not every woman has a child. This is obviously a program specifically for mothers. Um, But when we support mothers, that has an incredible ripple effect, as you can imagine, to families, communities, um, and society at large. No doubt. The first thing that came to mind too is like any company that is thinking this is neat is maybe not really paying attention to what's going on in this world. And 
And like I say, I, I, I'm on this slippery slope right now of like starting to talk about things that are real and present for me in this world and the way that I see and believe things and not quite ready to go there yet. But I will say this, this great resignation that we hear about, the terminology that's being used, there's many, many, many layers to this. It's not just because people feel like they don't want to go into an office and if you're going to force me to get a vaccine, then I'm going to say that I quit. That's just a small piece of this. There's also the fact that people are working from home and realizing like, damn, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, my company is now mandating that I have to come back into the office? Yeah, I guess I'll just quit because there's other companies that will offer that as an option. And what you're speaking about here is not a nice to have. It's something that all companies should be integrating into their culture, into their communications, everything, right? And people will gravitate towards companies that think like this, right? So I just wanted to say that out loud for anybody that's going to be listening to this that thinks this is neat, like, wake up, (laughs) wake up. This isn't about, you know, nice to have. This is the right thing. Mm -hmm. to be integrating. Yeah. Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate that. I start thinking about all of this stuff with the way that society is going down sometimes and it like internally kind of troubles me. I I really feel like my podcast at some point is going to have to be a voice for bringing up uh, more topics like this and how it's relating to the the bigger picture. But one little side uh, question on this too what about the guys? Is there any consideration for the paternity leave as well? Because I know that um, there's a few people just in my world that have taken paternity leave and quite extended ones recently too. And that was the first time, like, uh, to be honest, like in the last like year or so that I've had people close to me that have said, yeah, I'm on paternity, paternity right now. And I can't remember exactly how long they received as a part of what, I don't know if it's a government mandated thing or company thing as far as how it's compensated and stuff. But what's your thoughts on that? Because obviously, you know, it's another consideration as far as like inclusion, right? hundred percent. Fully, fully, fully support paternity leave. Huge fan of it. Wish my ex-husband would have taken it when we had <laughs> our children. Encouraged him to do so, but it was like not a thing in his organization. I didn't know this, but like Quebec, you know, has had paternity leave benefits for, I think, since 2013 or maybe 2003. I, I don't know the statistics there, but something like 90% of uh, men take paternity leave in, in Quebec because it's just like so, you know, widespread, similar to like Scandinavian countries where it's very normalized. Like, of course, you're going to take significant amount of time off when you have a child. So first of all, huge fan of of paternity leave. Uh, I think it's really important in the whole scheme of like equitable partnership parenting um, and, you know, men being just as present and partners. Obviously there's like, you know, queer relationships, same-sex partnerships, all different types of, of partnerships. We have focused for maternity specifically on mothers because that's where the power gap is. That's where the biggest, like the gender gap is. There's no fatherhood penalty. In fact, it's called the fatherhood bonus where men mm. actually earnings increase up to 6% as a result of having a child and um, women's very significantly decrease. And so given that fact, given that there's such a gap there, we have really focused on, for this program, specifically the experience of mothers. The other thing about paternity leave is there's such a range. You know, some people decide to take four weeks. Some might take up to nine months or six months. Most organizations don't really have a lot of statistics yet around. And so we were thinking, like, even as a follow-up program, how could we support um, paternity leave? Like, should we create a patern, (laughs) you know, instead of a a matern? But we're, I mean, we're really focused on advancing women specifically. And because the motherhood penalty or the motherhood tax is so pervasive, this is why we've decided specifically to focus on the experience of mothers. However, there's some really great resources out there. There's an organization in Ontario called Connected Dads um, that really focuses on supporting, you know, men through this experience as well. What we've kind of seen from a research perspective is men don't feel like they don't necessarily go through the massive identity shifts that that women do as a result. Also, from just even a postpartum perspective, birthing mothers, you know, there's some massive changes hormonally, physically, emotionally as a result of going through 
Um, there's not as much research on, on that in, in particular to men. So in answering that question, I think further down the road, we would have a parental program that would support like parental leave. But for the launch, uh, we're focusing primarily on the experience of mothers. Love that answer. Um, one thing before we shift into the last part of my interview, which is actually around that kind of thing, I call it the power of one because when we focus, right? So like you're actually alluding to that right now. Nice little transition. But I just wanted to mention really quickly, one of the other people I've had on my podcast, her name is uh, Zoe Share, And she she lives out in Toronto. She um, owns her own digital marketing agency, but she just recently, I guess it's like four months ago now, acquired an online publication called Daddy's Digest. And she told the whole story as to why she decided to do it. And it wasn't, you know, naturally her marketer entrepreneurial brain was like, whoa, what an amazing opportunity here. But it was also to change the narrative around how men can support in parenting, in um, in their marriages, in just being a good human being, you know. And there's a lot to be said for Matern's rise in being, um, for people to be aware of it, for the men to step up and actually make sure that people are aware of this stuff. And I know I'm a part of another group too, which is these mentorship, they call it mentorship world. You know, well, you introduced me to Die. That's right. See, all of this stuff is so full circle. Yeah. Die. Yeah, Die Manuel and now Nick Wood, his uh, partner in that, created these. And they're just get-togethers of guys on a Monday, um, every single Monday, just to call, no judgment, just be seen, be heard, share what's on your heart, you know? And we talk about this a lot. It's like, this is, it's important. Like we, we have to take a stand for what's right. And especially in women's rights too, because there's just some of the things you're hearing even in the news lately, like, and I don't want to take us down too far of a path. We can do another interview on this, but like what you're seeing happening in Afghanistan and just with sex trafficking and stuff like it's, this is important work and the men can play a major, major role in this. So Shout out to all the men out there. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So the power of one. Are you ready for this? Ready. So so I call this the lightning round, but it's not the lightning round. You don't have to answer with like one word answers, but um, it's intentionally meant to be all around um, one. So first question, who is one person or mentor that has been the most influential in your life all time? So you can go right back to childhood if you'd like. Oh, wow. That is a big question. Honestly, I would probably say my coach that I've worked with on and off for the last eight years, Heather White. Mm, She's really supported some transformational changes in my life and held just the most compassionate container for my growth and advancement um, and deeper possibilities. So she's been like a mentor to me, a coach, an inspiration. Yeah, I'd say she has probably had the most profound impact on my life. Awesome. Heather's awesome. I will link this up. This is part of the reason for asking these questions is that there's a lot of times there's people that we need to make aware exist to other people to know too. So Heather's one of those for sure. Next question is who is one person mentor that is the most influential in your life right now? So in this moment. I think automatically about my business partner, <laughs> uh, Sonia Bacogli Foley. And I would say we like co mentor each other, um, but we bring very different skill sets to the table. And we're constantly trying to, you know, elevate and empower each other. Uh, and we recognize that we're on this journey together. Uh, and it's just like a beautiful partnership. I love co-creation. When I was working on my own as a coach, I was like, oh, I really just want to work with somebody else. I really <laughs> love that. Uh, and so I would say she's like hugely influential part of my life and has been for quite a while, just closer now. Amazing. Yeah, everything's better co-created, right? Business partners, personal relationships, even with your kids, I find too. You try and tell them to do something versus having a conversation that makes them believe that they came up with the idea, they do it a lot more. (laughs) What is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why? And I know this might be tough because I know you've given so much to so many different groups over the years, but is there any one particular one that comes to mind? Yeah, one girl can. 
so One Girl Can is a nonprofit that's actually based here in Vancouver, but they and they also operate uh, primarily out of Kenya in Africa. And so I've uh, come to know the founder, uh, Lottie Davis, and been involved with their team for probably the last eight years. I traveled to Africa with Lottie uh, in 2017 and visited all the schools that they support. So they they educate and mentor thousands of girls uh, in Kenya. And, and this is obviously primarily a huge part of gender equity and the education of girls. Um, but they build uh, schools, they educate girls, and they mentor girls. And, and it's pretty incredible what these young women are accomplishing in university and the careers that um, they go on to do. So we sponsor three girls ourselves. Uh, very easy, very economically affordable to do so. Uh, and so huge fan of their work and like one of their number one supporters. (laughs) Amazing. Good one. Um, What is one thing that you are most grateful for right now? I would say the support of my husband. Uh, So I'm remarried. And I think in my first marriage, I felt like I couldn't authentically be who I was. And I don't know, this is just my narrative at the time, that I needed to be small, you know, and that who I really wanted to be wasn't really welcome. Um, There was an expectation that I would want to very happily stay home with kids and be a stay-at-home mom. And so there was part of me that I think was kind of suffocated. And so I really appreciate um, and have immense gratitude for the support of my partner, my husband, who just like loves seeing me grow and expand and is my biggest champion and just like is a total equal partner and is the most amazing father and stepfather. Um, I, on a daily basis, feel immense gratitude for that. Cool. Love it. I know I, I say this to Char a lot of times too. It's like, you're at your sexiest when you leap into something that scares the shit out of you. I'm like, yes, go, you know? I love Which that. Which to some people it might just be like, that's bizarre, but very true, very true. <laughs> what is the one thing that you are most curious about right now? So looking to explore further, don't quite understand enough and you want to dive into Gosh, these are great questions. <laughs> Brene Brown style. Uh, most, I'm a very curious person. <laughs> There's a lot that I'm curious about. I think I, I'm really curious about how matern could potentially change the maternity leave experience for women in this country and how it could potentially even expand globally uh, to the U.S. in a different form and to other countries that have paid maternity leave. I'm really curious to see if we could make a significant impact uh, in, you know, women sort of in the leadership pipeline. So I'm more and more curious about what the ripple effects of this program will have um, on organizations uh, and specifically to women, you know, um, during that time can feel really lonely. So I would say I'm, you know, like we're at the precipice. We're launching actually in October 25th. So uh, the doors will open and we will start accepting women through the program. Our goal is to have a thousand women through in 2022. So I'm curious to see how that's all going to unfold. Amazing. Love that answer. Well, I will contribute to making sure that the awareness is out there. (laughs) I assure you of that. Uh, Last question for you, Jen. What is one thing that scares you right now that you know you need to meet with bravery? I think it excites me, but it scares me at the same time about like how potentially big the business could grow. I think there's a scariness factor because I've been through burnout a couple of times. And the narrative for me often is like the bigger things are, the more work they are. And so I've really tried to work on like trying to pull those things apart. Not necessarily, not if you structure the team properly. So I think I feel like a little bit trepidatious of, will I be able to rise to the occasion if that happens? So that feels kind of scary uh, a little bit. And and I think the unknown is always scary. You know, I haven't been through this before. I haven't been through uh, something that could potentially be big and just on me. I've contributed to a lot of things that were large, but I was always part of something and it didn't stop at just me. So that feels scary, but exciting at the same time. It's a good scary. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a very vulnerable, honest answer and what I was hoping from uh, f- from from you. And like I said, you know, the last three questions you probably noticed, like uh, gratefulness, curiosity, and bravery, right? And I know you use this language a lot and you're pro- you have a program coaching other people too called Brave Leadership. Mm-hmm. Brave Leadership, yeah, right? Brave yeah, Brave Leadership for Women, yeah. Yeah. So we we have a similar language in these things. And this is not by accident. Like I'm sure that everything, well, I'm not even sure. I know that everything that I've done is borrowed by something. It's just I'm piecing together pieces of it from all over the place. And um, I'm sure you've had some impact on that subconsciously or maybe even consciously too. But these two terms are just important, I think, you know, be a turd, be always be grateful, um, be constantly curious and be brave. Like, go just take a leap and dive into it because on the other side is typically what you want until you scare yourself to the point where you just don't do anything. And I think <laughs> you've been through enough uh, to know that on the other side of that is actually some pretty cool stuff, right? So it is. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. And yeah, I just want to acknowledge you for uh, coming on here and just chatting about this. And we'll do this again too. So like once Matern launches and you've got a few months in type thing, part of the journey in me doing this is to say, what's changed? How have you shifted your beliefs? What has leveled up? Where have you left something behind? That type of thing, because it's constant evolution, right? So, um, So thank you. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, you, Trevor. And you've always been a mentor and an inspiration for me as well, especially, you know, you held a really great space for me when I was just starting my own entrepreneurship journey. So I've valued that more than I can express. So thank you. I appreciate that. I, one of the things I'm working on is actually allowing that to land. Mm. I've been very, very much a dismissive person, not in a negative way, but just be like, oh yeah, whatever. It's all good. But like, no, thank you. I appreciate that. That does, it means a lot. Um, how can people connect with you? How can they find out more about Matern? Mm-hmm. Let us know where we can send people. Yeah, matern.com. So M-A-T-U-R-N.com. Uh, obviously, have social media channels there as well. And then my own website and my signature uh, Brave Leadership for Women coaching program. More information at jenmurtagh.com. M-U-R-T-A-G-H. It's all Irish. <laughs> It's Irish. (laughs) Love it. Okay, well, I will link that up for anybody who can't spell it. So you can just go click on the name and go check out all those resources. So thanks so much, Jen. And we'll talk to you again soon because I'm serious. We're going to do this interview again. Let's pre-book it six months from now. Sounds good, Trevor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. 